WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. The Dick Van Dyke Show, starring Dick Van Dyke, Rosemary, Maury Amsterdam, Larry Matthews, and Mary Tyler Moore. And one of the people that was part of that show is joining us on this edition of City Talk, and that's Larry Matthews, the young man who played Richie, the son of Rob and Laura Petrie. And Larry, I bet that brings back a lot of memories when you hear that. Uh, I mean, it always does. It's a great, it's such a iconic song you know we never thought it would be you know obviously what it is we didn't think 65 years later we'd be sitting here having wonderful interviews about one of the greatest shows ever really but it is it's fun to listen to and i always like to watch his shows because even after all these years i i just find something to laugh at pretty much every time. <laughs> all right let's talk about that you were very very young when you got started doing that show so s- several questions emerge like for example did you want to be an actor when you were a little boy or did you have a stage mother that pushed you into it or how did all that happen? No, I, I, my mother was everything but a stage mother. Uh, I'm one of seven children. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I was the sixth of the seventh and, and I just was the one that was always, um, you know, trying to call, you know, be the ham, you know, always like, imitating tv and just you know singing and doing whatever just because it was just me and um and uh, so um there's a a mailman and he asked my mother if that he knew a woman who actually gave acting lessons to kids and said you know would larry be interested so she asked me and i went yeah sure that sounds fun why not my heck i can go pretend I'm somebody else and have a good time with it and be away from my family. Sure. I love that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so what happened? I mean, I know somewhat how cattle calls and everything uh, work in, in Hollywood, but, but, but how did you get hooked up with the show? So um, I, I was doing these acting classes and she would bring agents in and we would do scenes uh, to showcase for the agents, you know, I did a scene from a thousand clowns. If anybody knows what that is, it's a famous old play. And, um, and the agents said, you know, we'd like to represent Larry and that's fine. And they made a deal with my mom. And then, you know, I got sent on this interview with Carl Reiner and, and, um, I just, um, I don't, I don't remember a lot of other kids being there or just kind of me. And I went in and it was different back then too, you know, with kids, um, there weren't cattle call for kids. They would bring them in individually because there was laws, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um, so I went in there and um, sat with Carl and uh, he ran some, he said, I want you to pretend you're sick. I want you to say this. I want you to say that and spent probably a good amount of time with him in there. And, um, and then basically it, it came down to me and another kid. Carl kind of wanted somebody that had never really done anything. Uh, this kid had been on some other um act on some other acting and they chose me you know and just uh, luck of the draw and the right place at the right time all right another question how did you learn your lines i i admit in a lot of shows you didn't have many but in a lot of shows you did 
How did you learn your lines? My mother would tell them to me and I'd remember them and re repeat them back. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, should, I, I, I learned to read, you know, when I was on the show, but for the first few years, you know, I, I didn't know she would run the lines and she'd say, here's what you say and here's the scene and I would do it with her and I'd go in and I, it's funny, you know, as a child, you remember stuff real easy as a child. I can't remember anything now, but that's another story, <laughs> um, you know, but as a kid, you remember that stuff and it was easy for me to do my lines. How did you like working in front of a live audience? Were you nervous? Um, yes and no. I guess, you know, at first um, it was just kind of a fun concept to me. So I didn't mind. And I think as I got older and understood what was going on, I got a little more nervous when I actually learned what was going on. But it never really bothered me. I always enjoyed it. And I did a lot of theater after that. And I loved doing live theater and acting in front of people. It's 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 kind of the height of the, the art, really, when you can pull that off. I think that's a that, that's a, a, a very special talent. Where, where did they get the audiences from? Well, we were in Hollywood. They just go out in the street and hustle up people. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't the case. Um, um, uh, yeah, I don't, they, we would just, you know, they had audiences, um, uh, companies that actually would go and solicit, you know, people to go see the Dick Van Dyke show and after, or any show was whatever they were doing. This was all a, a, a Desi and Lucy uh, concept it was a three camera live a show that was that was his whole creation was Desi Desi Arnaz really, and um, and so they would you know get people that want to go you know want to come see a, a show depending on what they were doing I love Lucy or me or whatever our show, and um, and then of course as it got popular then it was like people would line up to get tickets you know people would want to come see the show so it's one of those things once it gets going you know it's like you you kind of get the ball rolling it just kind of comes to you. Did you ever get a chance to meet Desi and Lucy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, Lucy would come to the stage. Desi a few times. I met Desi um, a couple of times. Didn't really get to know him well. Lucy was there a little more often. She was, she was kind of the real business person behind it all really. I mean, she, she was, you know, that was Lucy. She was, um, she was a mover and a shaker. And, and so that's what she did, but she would come visit the set. And of course, when people knew she was coming, they would go like, I got to go. I, I'm not going to be here when Lucy comes. Cause she could be a little tough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell us about each of the the members of the the ensemble. Start with start with uh, Sheldon Leonard. Sheldon was uh, so I. It starts with Sheldon and it goes all the way down the line. And for each and every individual, I just can't say enough about how wonderful these people were and how much they influenced my life. Sheldon was such a special man. Um, he was just caring and, 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 you know, um, cared about the people he worked with and worked with him. Um, talented genius. He's the one that saved the show. He's the one that got CBS to agree to do the pilot with Dick Van Dyke. Otherwise the show would have never been made. Um, and, and I remember one time at a, at a uh, tribute to, uh, Sheldon and Danny Thomas, Thomas and Leonard Productions, which are our two executive producers. And they did a lot of shows, I mean, together, they were, you know, Andy Griffith and I Spy, Make Room for Daddy, Gomer Pyle. The, the list goes on and on if you look them up. And um, and we were at, at backstage after this tribute and I went to Sheldon and I said, Mr. Leonard, you know, I said, 
I, I just have to thank you because if it wasn't for you, I, I don't know what I'd be doing with my life. You know, I've, I went on to have a very successful career in post-production and sales and post-production. Um, and, um, and I told him, I, I just, I wouldn't know what I'd be doing. You, you really made it possible. And I really got to thank you and just tell you, I love you. And he, he, he leaned over to me and he kind of gave me a kiss on that. He says, son, he goes, Larry, he goes, we're the ones that need to thank you. Cause if it wasn't for all you wonderful people that gave us these great performances and, and did our shows, we wouldn't be anything. That's the kind of guy Sheldon was. Mm. I don't know how many people realize that they tried a pilot that didn't work with, with, with Carl Reiner playing the part of Rob Petrie, and they called it the head of the family. That's correct. And, um, and, and, and so to a little history, I don't know if people know, but um, Dick Van Dyke show or head of the family at the time was Carl wrote. That's based on his um, his um, experience as a writer for um, your show of shows for Sid Caesar. And the writers were him and Mel Brooks and Selma Diamond. That's Maury and, and Rosemary, those characters. And he wrote the script about his experiences writing for the show. Well, they did the pilot and he played it and there was a whole different cast and it didn't sell. And Sheldon saw it and uh, went to him and he says, kid, and he goes, you know, and Sheldon, the way he could talk to you. And <laughs> he says, uh, this is a great concept he goes but you know you're just not the guy you're you you don't you're, you're not good he goes would you allow me to recast this and make a new pilot with a different cast and carl said of course of course i would have done. we'd love to do that so that's where they got going the first person they actually cast was rosemary um and then i, I should say let me rephrase that Dick was, of course, the first person they cast because Carl Reiner had seen Dick in Bye Bye Birdie and Sheldon Leonard had seen him in Bye Bye Birdie as well on, on Broadway. And Sheldon went up to Carl and said, this is the man that could play you. So that's how Dick obviously had gone. But then after that, Rosemary was the first person cast after Dick, of course, then Maury and then me, believe it or not. And then uh, Mary was the last person cast in the show. Yeah, I'll always remember reading about that. And Danny Thomas knew who he wanted, but it, it, all he could remember was, get me the lady who had three names because he had seen him in the Richard, her in the Richard Diamond TV show. Correct. That's that's correct, Ken. That's exactly right. And when she went into interview with Carl, Carl had seen all a, a ton, a ton of, you know, actresses for the part. And she went in and she read a couple lines and he just he 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 tells a story to one of them. He goes, I just this just bell went off in my head, he says, you know, and I went ding. And he goes, This is it. This is the one. I just, you know, and he said it was at this day and age, <clears throat> probably wouldn't be tolerated in Hollywood. He literally grabbed her by by her head and said, Come with me. And he kind of walked her next door to the office to Sheldon and Danny were doing were doing something on the Danny Thomas show. And he said, I found Laura Petrie. This is her, this is her. And and that's <laughs> what happened. So, and Mary was kind of you know there's a documentary out about Mary, and she even talks about um, she was skeptical to do it at first. You know, she was kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I want to do this because she had gotten let go from the Richard Diamond show because she said she wanted more money. He said, look, I can get any girl with a pair of legs. I don't need you. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> and, um, and and Carl basically talked her into doing it and you know as the rest as they say is history yeah five years um 
did you think it would go that long? Oh, I don't think any of us thought it would go. I, I don't, I did. I don't know. I didn't as a kid. I just was like, okay, you're going back to work this year. You're going back to work this year. And it was great. And it was some of the greatest years, five years of my life. I, I always say I went from age five to 15 in five years. Cause I grew up and worked with adults and you know, that, that makes you mature very quickly. Um, so I, I don't know if I, we ever thought it would be what it was. I know that we, Rosemary, Maury, we've talked about this over the years, be, you know, before they were gone, that <clears throat> we had no idea it would still be going 60 years later. I mean, that's just, you know, crazy. Um, but, um, <clears throat> but, you know, um, now as I got older and as we got to the last couple seasons, when we did the last episode and I realized we weren't coming back and we had the rap party, I was very, very upset. I, I mean, I remember cry, I cried because I was not going to have this family that I had as my second family around, really, kind of in a, some ways my first family. Um, and I was very upset that we weren't going to come back and, and do another year. I remember one particular episode that I watched, which was very heartwarming, um, about a, a duck named Stanley. And the scene with you and Dick Van Dyke, I, I loved the affection that was shown by Van Dyke. You'd swear it wasn't Dick Van Dyke. It was really Rob Petrie talking to his own son. Several dynamics in that particular episode. We'll touch on the first one you said. That's just Dick. He was so professional. He's such an amazing performer. And he's such a great talent that that he would he could do that you know he he just he he was perfect for being that role and also he kind of you know helped me out a lot during those time you know times and scenes we were doing stuff and when we rehearse and stuff both dick and mary would you know i would do something and i'd say oh, and they go here here try this Larry, try this and, you know and we do it and it worked great <clears throat> so they were very nurturing in that way to me and, and helpful um <clears throat> now that episode probably my favorite episode in terms of my performance as an actor on that show. Um, because Stanley and Oliver were the Ducks names and Oliver, we got them and Oliver died and Stanley was going to die. And the um, conflict was that we had to put Stanley back in the park or he couldn't live in captivity, you know, cause that was the thing. And, and Rob had to come in and tell Richie that he had to let his pet duck go and put him back and tell him why. And I was supposed to be very upset and crying during during that during that scene because I was obviously you know devastated. I had to give my pet up. Well, I went to my mom and I said, "Mom, I said, um, you know, I have to cry in, in this scene. And besides, Dad whipping my butt, I don't know how to cry that much. I'm just not, you know. Come on, guys, don't get crazy. Uh, it was the '60s, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, and she said, "Go see Mr. Leonard." She goes, "Can you tell him that?" tell him that tell him you need to figure out how to be emotional and cry and do the scene and he'll help you out so i went and found sheldon and i said mr leonard you know I, my mom said i i could talk to you because i i really need to you know be upset and be crying during the scene and i really don't know you know how to do that myself so and there's a picture of it there's a picture of behind the set uh, that they took from behind the scenes of sheldon kneeling in front of me with his hands on my shoulders and talking to me before we went on screen, before we went live in action and on, on set. 
And Sheldon sat there and told me the most heart-wrenching, horrible story about his dog and how it tragically got killed by a car. And it was their family. It was just, and I was just in tears and instantly because I'm a big animal lover. And, um, and I went on set and I think I did the best dramatic performance. One of the only ones I really had to do, but still in terms of just as acting, I, I thought it was one of, it was my best. I loved it. I absolutely, when I saw that a uh, couple of weeks ago on YouTube, I, I got tears in my eyes because I, I knew it was acting, but you were so good. And I don't think there's that kind of affection shown in television today as far as things like that or in comedy. Excuse me, Ken. Apologize to the audience there. A little cough. Um, well, I don't think there's, you know, first, there's not the writing that that was on that show. I mean, you know, back in those days, and I've talked about this on several interviews, you know, nowadays people make product because it's just money, 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 sell, sell, sell. We don't care about content. Look at the strike with the actors going on. That kind of says everything. Um, you know, the AI situation that it's just a big corporate, corporate numbers game and how to make money. And that's all anybody cares about now. Um, when we were doing our shows in the 60s and 70s, those early days of TV, 50s, 60s and the 70s, the, the, the writers, the producers, the directors, the creators, they did it because that was their passion, because they loved it. They didn't do it because they, they were thinking they're going to make millions of dollars. That wasn't the motivation back then. The motivation was to create and bring that out and entertain people with their, with their you know, um, creations that they're with their you know scripts with their whatever shows and um and i think it shows in those days because all that comes through you see those kind of affections you talked about in 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 the older television episodes especially dick because dick was such a you know i mean he had three kids himself so you know it was he just could be that person so easily and it was just so wonderful um but i think that it just it's a different world now i mean you don't really see those kind of performances or that kind of um you know a dedication to an, an art form i'm going to mention one word rosebud so do you know what it stands for is the bigger question yeah <laughs> i have a friend who does a show on saturday nights who got me in touch with david van dusen as a matter of fact he recited the whole thing to me this morning over the phone. Uh, and he knew it by heart. And I mean, I, I've seen the show, but to be able to sit here for myself to do it off the top of my head, I ain't that brilliant. So the, the show was based upon Richie's middle name, which was Rosebud. Um, and Richie was very upset he found when he found out about it because he said it was a sissy name, you know. And why do I have a sissy name like this? So Rob had to go through the whole um, expose and explanation of saying how Richie got his middle name. Well, all of the relatives wanted Richie's middle name after themselves. And there were seven of them. R-O-S-E-B-U-D-F. R-O-S-E-B-U-D. And there were seven <laughs> of them. I got to count. And, um, and they all wanted Richie's middle name to be them. So what it ended up being was Rob and Laura took the first letter of each of the names and put them together, and that spelled Rosebud. And the names are 
Robert, Oscar, Samuel, Edward, Benjamin, Ulysses, David. You remembered it. Very good. Oh, I do. Very good. Very I do. Good. Yep. Yeah, you, there were a lot of shows with animals and you. Besides the ducks, I remember one about a woodpecker uh, and another, another one about a dog. Horrible. Horrible the dog, which I thought was yucky. Then there was also an episode where Buddy uh, had to leave his German Shepherd with Rob and Laura for a few days, and Richie was scared to death of it. That's the that's the famous um, um, part where Richie would run into the cabinet and hide in a cabinet to get away from the the, the, the vicious German Shepherd. Turns out, of course, I love German Shepherds. I, we've had my wife and I had three German Shepherds over our lives, and they're the most wonderful animals in the world. But I had to pretend, of course, I was terrified of it. And then Horrible the Dog, and then the Woodpecker. Um, there was also one with a turtle, if you remember, where they, Rob had hired this housekeeper, and she ended up being like, had a broken arm, and she couldn't do anything, but it turned out she could paint. And she painted the family's um, faces on the back of Richie's pet turtle. Um, that was kind of fun. The yep. woodpecker episode is a, is a a great episode. Again, probably one of my favorites in terms of just my um, contributions to the show. Um, and it was based on a true story, by the way. Just so you know. Um, oh yeah, that actually happened to Carl Reiner's neighbor. That a woodpecker kept trying to attack their son to get hair to build a nest. And that's what it was about. <laughs> now, did you watch the shows like what the, that you weren't in? Were you in the audience or did you wait until they got to television? No, I would see them after they were shot. I would be there during rehearsal because I had to go to school. So I was always there. But I wouldn't when we went to shoot him that night from the audience, I, I would usually get released and go home. So I would see him on TV and um, man, I'll tell you what, it's just the writing, you know, you started talking about the people, Sheldon Leonard, Danny Thomas, who's just, you know, what can you say about Danny? He's just an icon and amazing talent himself, but Carl Reiner really the creator and, and the drive behind the show. What a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. I, I can't, I could talk for, five weeks and never say enough about Carl Reiner, honestly. That's how, <laughs> that's how wonderful he really was. And to me, I mean, loving and and just, you know, every time I saw Carl, it might have been year or two, whatever, three before I see him. And he would hug me and give me a kiss. And hi, hi, Larry, how are you? How you doing? It's just that was Carl. He was such a genuine, genuine, amazing human being. And the talent is just like I said, you 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 can't. There's not enough words to to say about how talented Carl was. I had a chance to meet and interview him when he came to Boston. He was directing a play that his son was in, and the PR person was very strict. And he said, "Now remember, you've only got X amount of minutes mm -hmm. to interview this gentleman." So when I got into his hotel room. I said, Carl, I, I understand I only have like 10 minutes or something like that. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you take as long as you want and don't worry about a thing. 
I never forgot that. That's Carl. I mean, that that is that was and is and was Carl. Yeah. He told me that they always made sure that they didn't use any colloquialisms in case the show ran after it was after it was finished and reruns. He he wanted he did, never wanted to date the show. So we never did uh, shows about current news topics, you know, like a Mur Murphy Brown or something, which is very you, you can you can date it by the content and colloquialisms and things slangs of the of the day. So it could run forever if it ever had that chance. And that wasn't again, what a brilliant comment on how on how, you know, smart and, and you know, Carl really was. He, uh, yeah, he was, he was something else. Tell me about where did I come from? <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> I got to remember there's a couple, some episodes about those. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it was, it was just one of those, um, where did I come from? And um, I'm trying to think, was that the one where we, Dick tried to tell me the birds and the bees? Yep. Yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Um, and then, of course, I went to school and started telling people that I came from the was it the cabbage patch? I think, yeah. Yep. Yep. It was the, I was I was in the blue cabbage patch. Girls went to pink cabbage patch. And then, of course, the principal called Robin Lord and said, "What are you telling this child?" And well, you know, it was a pretty <laughs> funny episode. Actually, that was a fun one to do. I wonder how many people realize. And I didn't find this until about a month ago. You sang the little drummer boy. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, God. Oh, absolutely. At the Christmas show. It was our only Christmas show we ever did. And um it was um it was it was great. Um <clears throat> I you know, I, I was they Carl wanted everybody to do something, so they wanted Richie to sing the song. Little Drummer Boy was kind of a perfect song for him to do. And it, I thought it came off really, really well. And um, and so um, when we went to record it, um, we were all lip sync. All the music and everything was pre-done, pre-recorded before we actually filmed it. That's one of the few shows we did not film in front of a, a live audience. That's there's there, there was a handful and that was one of them. Hmm. Interesting. And, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and um, and 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 um, and so when we we went to, when I went to pre-record it, they had the orchestra there, and I I couldn't do, I just couldn't get it. I mean, I was off. I wasn't on. I just it was like, you know, I felt like the old you know, okay, take thirty-eight, click. Here we go. <laughs> I was like, no, and I just couldn't do it. So finally, the the the, the music guy Earl and the people that were doing conducting the orchestra stopped down and said, let's just record the orchestra, let the orchestra go, and we'll have Larry um, record it to the orchestra in his headphones. And I did, and that's when I got it. it, it literally on the first take, I hit it. Don't know why I couldn't do it with the orchestra, because I'm very musical. My father, my family, my parents were musical. I played instruments, I, you know, um, and and I don't know why, but I got it in the headphones. And so when we went on camera, I actually just kind of lip synced it to the uh, the recording we'd done before. But that was a really that was a fun show. It was also a show that we did um, 
right after Kennedy was the show that aired the, the, the year that Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't it your birthday party and Rob played Rabo the Clown? That's correct. That's the show we were shooting the day that Kennedy got assassinated. Carl came in. I'll never forget it. It's like, uh, that's just one of those things that it, it just, it, it, you know, it's like, it seems like it was yesterday to me. Carl came in and said, okay, everybody stop, stop rehearsal. He said, the president's just been shot. We turned on the uh, stereo, which was the prop in the in back of the Petri um, household there by Richie's bedroom. And we listened to Walter Conkright, um, you know, you yeah. know, call it as it were. And um, we went home. Uh, we stopped rehearsal for it. We didn't work for a few days. And we came back. We actually shot that episode without an audience as well. That's one of the other few ones we shot without an audience because of that. And yes. Tell me about your shooting schedule. We would, uh, we would go Wednesday. So it was like Wednesday to Tuesday. So Wednesday we'd have um, readings and, you know, table readings and kind of small re rehearsals and script fixes and things like that. Um, uh, Thursday, Friday, we'd get on set and do um, um, rehearsals and some blocking, but mostly just trying to get the, you know, the, the show in a shape we wanted it to. Mondays was our uh, full camera blocking rehearsal day with the cameras and the scenes and and fixing that. Tuesday, we would do a rehearsal during the day, and then we would shoot the show live Tuesday nights. Uh, you, you, you talked about Danny Thomas, but he was in one particular Van Dyke episode. Probably my favorite episode really ever, actually. <laughs> it's called <laughs> it, may, it May Look Like a Walnut. That's 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 it. Yep. Um, I get asked about what am I? What's my favorite show ever? And I, there's so many of them, and for different reasons, it's hard to sit there and say which is your favorite because all of them were just brilliant. But if I had to pick a couple or so, Walnut would be probably right there. Um, and then um, Never Name a Duck, which we talked about, uh, the Woodpecker Show, and then one I wasn't even in called The Ghost of a Chance. Which I just thought I, was hysterical. I remember that show. That was a that, that was a funny show. Yes, it was. And so, there's um, there's there's one that they talk about. I I can't remember the author who uh, who did the latest book. At least I think it was the latest on the, on the Van Dyke show uh, on any given Saturday, and Laura got her foot stuck in the bathtub or her toe. Stuck in a bathtub. In the faucet. Um, yeah. That was, um, I think Vince Waldron probably is the latest one that wrote the latest book on it. Um, and um, th again, that's a true story. That that happened to, I got to get this right. It was either, it might have been Sam Denoff or Bill Persky's. And the girl, the, the wife was playing around with it and got her toe stuck in there and they wrote the episode about it and it was hysterical. So it was true. Um, a lot of the shows we did were based on true experiences. Um, yeah, it was great. And we talked about songs earlier. You were talking about the birthday show um, with Rob playing the clown. Mm -hmm. and Rob, Rob sang a song called um, When I Grow Up, 
when I grow up, I want to be a very famous clown and have the children laugh at me when the circus comes to town. Anyway, he did that song to entertain the kids as the clown. Well, Sam Denoff wrote that song. Ah. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's also another show that I remember with you, and I don't remember the young boy's name. He was, um, oh, the next door neighbors. Um, he was Freddie Helper. That's it. <clears throat> that's it. And you were doing a a, a little a commercial. Yep. Boy you one. Remember that show? Two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Boy one and boy two, about. Um, they're doing a commercial where the kids are throwing a baseball. And of course, Millie and Laura, you know, push Rob into making the kids do the commercial. And it was a disaster. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was so funny because it was a Rob was so great. He kept saying they're horrible. They're both horrible. They can't do anything. They're they're awful, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, Laura and Laura and, and Millie were like the ultimate stage moms, you know, at that, which is really kind of funny because, um that's that's the epitome of what a stage mom would be in terms of you know well no no honey look at the camera here don't look at it. make sure your good face is it you know i mean just like just always pouncing you know to make you know the kid the the best the focus of everybody right so yep yep i'll always what i used to enjoy too were the they'd get all the neighbors together for the variety shows and there was one episode when rob imitated mrs billings who uh, always managed to get him to direct. Oh, Mr. Petrie, you do such a yep. good job. That, I love those shows. That was those were great ones. And some fun numbers came out of those too. Um there's a there is one number where um uh there was a Laura they were trying to do a song and and Laura wanted to sing the song, but this other girl, kind of a Latino girl looking, she was just really beautiful. And she was, you know, the best, she was, she was great at it. And they sang the song and they went, Oh God, this is great. I want, you're the person that's going to do this song. And of course, Laura got all upset and, you know, pouted and, you know, I, Rob finally changed it where they did a, 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 a duet with Rob. Basically it was the three of them instead of just Robin Laura it was Robin Laura. And the woman who played that was actually John Rich's wife at the time. Uh, yep. Great show. Now, yeah. tell me about what it was like. I mean, you already mentioned it briefly when you, when when the show was going to end. But what does what does a young boy do when his livelihood is suddenly gone? Well, you know, again, like I said, Ken, it was it was shock. It was just tough for me to do. But again, I, you know, I said to you, I'm one of seven children, so you know, I just went back and you know. Went back to a regular school set school schedule, which my grade school was probably just the worst experience in my life. I hated it um, because I was gone all the time. I skipped a grade. I went from first to third grade because I had a tutor on set. I could do that. And so I was younger than the other kids. And when I would go back into school for the last two months of the year, when the show stopped filming, um, it was just they were just horrible kids. You know, they were like, oh, you think you're, you know. Very bullyish, you know, bullying ish. Yeah. Kind of. Yep. And um I did that and then and then just wanted to kinda of hang out with, you know, my brothers and do you know things like kids do. And then I went to high school and high school conversely was one of the greatest experiences I ever had because 
it was a whole different experience with the kids. They were like, hey, man, we love that show. Cool. You're Richie. Come on, hang with us. Right. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, I played sports and I did theater and, and you know, theater and, and plays and theater arts and stuff. I went to UCLA and I was a theater arts major there and um, did a lot, you know, kept my my acting going with, you know, some uh, stage plays I did over the years, you know, a little, you know, local stage plays in L.A. that I would get into one here and there every so often. So, I, you know, I kept it kind of going. And then um, and then, like I said, when I got out of when I was in college, I wanted to go back into acting. And and I went to the agents and they said, well, of course, we'll we'll represent you. And I went and got a whole new headshots. They call them. Right? You get to get pictures with your pictures and have to take to the interviews. Right. And then and then what you were talking about earlier, when you said cattle calls. Right. And that's mm -hmm. when I experienced the real cattle calls. And it was just like the most disheartening thing. It was the most um, disheartening. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just experience. Depressing experience. Right. Ever. And because um, what happened is they sent me on some interviews and those were cattle calls. And I'm going to this interview going like, hey, I'm going to get this job. This is cool because I was Richie, man. I'm, they're going to hire me. Right. I'm right. Gonna do it. I was delusioned and um, and I went in there and there's 50 people in there and I'm like, oh my God, what is going to happen here? <laughs> went on a few of those and it was like, okay, read this. I'm going to do this. Read that. Okay, thanks. I'm like, but I, I did the whole Fine, go ahead. Well, you know, you're, you're done. And it was just, like I said, as, as depressing and demoralizing as it could be. So that's what drove me to, to go behind the scenes and work. <clears throat> consistently in production, post-production sales and post-production and really make a very successful, successful career um, behind the scenes in the entertainment business. Was it, was it tough to see television change? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, from my perspective, being doing sales and trying to get um, shows to come work at our facilities and, people don't know post-production that's when they finish the shows they do the final editing and sound mixing and color correction and all those you know episode you know, things the film lab where they do the you know all the final film work etc um and it was just i guess i didn't really pay that much attention to changing except for the fact that i had to be technically up on everything that was changing technically in terms of the content I absolutely noticed it was not the same. And it was like, I remember I was watching an episode of, of um, a Chevy Chase movie, I'm sorry. And um, it was about this, um, the FBI that set up uh, a stakeout in Chevy Chase's uh, kid's bedroom to, to, to catch a criminal who was living next door to Chevy Chase. Well, that was an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show we did. You know, the FBI came and set up stake yep. in Richie's room. And to catch the criminal that was across the street. So I'm going to like, well, hell, we've done that. I mean, that's, not, I don't know. It's, it's just a cute movie, cute movie. But, you know, I, I just felt that the originality had gone out of it. With the exception of certain shows, you know, as, as the years went on. Seinfeld, of course. You know, Cheers, you know. Um, and and some, of the, some of the shows like that that were very creative and innovative and, and, and unique. But a lot of them were just kind of rehashing of what, you know, a lot of us had done before. So I noticed have that. You, have, you, have you gotten to know uh, a lot of the childhood actors? Like, for instance, 
You mentioned Danny Thomas a lot. Were you able to know people like Rusty Hamer and Angela Cartwright and Kathy Garver from Family Affair and John Provost from Lassie and things like that? So um, Danny Thomas shot right next to us on the studio next to us. So I, I got to know Angela well. I knew Rusty. I don't think anybody really ever knew Rusty very well. Rusty was kind of a unique person. He was kind of to himself. And his, um, I want to say it was his mother, was kind of a a nasty stage mother, you know. Um, and, you know, of course, Rusty committed suicide later in his life. Yep, uh, unfortunately. Um, Angela, um, I knew a bunch of the actors, because a bunch of the kids, because we had done publicity things together and we would run across each other in certain events, you know, little parades and things like that. And I do know a bunch of them very well. You mentioned John. John Provost is one of my dearest, dearest friends in the world and uh, him and his wife, Lori. And in fact, we have a business where uh, John has a business that I'm actually repping for him, which is a, um, so I'm going to get the plug in now, Ken. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, called Spray Mix and Go. It's 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 a basically made for dogs and pets to keep them calm, panting, anxiety, um, uh, frequent um, escape attempts, loud noises, fireworks, things like that. It's a CBD product. Uh, it's not THC. It's not psychoactive, but it helps with joint pain. It helps with all kinds of issues with dogs. John's had several dogs. Nobody knows more about dogs than John, really. And um, and they developed this product with a chemist that they got to know very well. And we're selling it, and we're we're trying to put it out there and 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 get it out in the market because the people that have used it for their dogs have had amazing results from it. I mean, really, really good results. So, you know, like I said, I, I John's a dear friend, Stan and Barry Livingston. I know very well, you know, um, um, and, and others as we've gotten to know each other over the years doing certain events and autograph shows and things like that. So, yeah. Yep. I remember I was a big fan of Lassie and I remember I became friendly with Jan Clayton whom Provost was in in uh, making his early appearances in the show and had a chance to meet her and everything. And she talked about what a great kid Provost was. And she said he had the most infectious giggle of any little boy she had ever heard. Still does, by the way. <laughs> That's interesting. John's Tell a great me guy. He's so much fun. And we love spending time with them. We really do. Yep, I had a chance to meet him a couple of years ago, and it was kind of hard listening to his voice and saying, "That's Timmy." You know, <laughs> just well, like I think, I think you could say it about all of us, Ken. Really, but that's okay. Yeah, yep. Tell me about Dick Van Dyke revisited. Well, that was that was so much fun to do. Um, you know, Carl had people have been asking Carl to do something, and. He didn't want to do just a, you know, like a a clip show or a, you know, kind of a typical show where you go and like everybody got together and talked about it. He just that was just boring to him. So he wrote he wrote the next episode of the Petries, you know, 38 years later. Um, and it was a great premise, uh, you know, where Alan Brady wanted to hire Rob and, and Sally to write his eulogy so he could approve it. So when he died, nobody was saying anything bad about him. Typical Alan Brady. <laughs> And um, and it was great. We did that the show. Um, 
And I was in the very first scene and I come in and I was li I'm, I'm living in the Petri house in New Rochelle. And Alan Brady calls up looking for Rob. And I had a, 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 a scene with, with Carl as Alan Brady uh, on the phone. And um, it was funny because we went into the rehearsals. I was reading it and, and Carl, I could see something was, you know, he was, something in his mind was going right. He was like, and, and he says, well, that's not the, the latest. Didn't you get the latest script? I said, no, because I'm the redhead stepchild. Nobody gives me anything. They're like, I'm just the kid. And he goes, well, this is stupid. Give him the real script. So we got in rehearsals and we were running it. And again, like I said, I could see Carl was like, well, I said, Carl, I said, tell me what, what you want. I said, where's Richie at? What's Richie's thing this day? Where is he at in his life? What's going on? You know, what's happening? What's the progression? What did you do? What do you see? What do you want him to do him to be? How do you want me to do this? And he went, he talked to me for about 10, 15 minutes. And he said, well, look, here's the thing. You know, Rich, here's Richie. He doesn't care about Alan Brady. As far as he's concerned, he tortured his dad all these years. And he doesn't give a shit about Cal. I'm sorry if we can say it on the air. I'm sorry. about. Um, That's all right. About um about Alan Brady, and you know, and this and that, and gave me the direction. I said, "Okay, got it." We ran the scene. He goes, "Let's do it." We ran the scene, and he and he came up to me. He just looked at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, "That was perfect." I went, and he goes, "No, that was perfect, perfect, perfect. Just do that." And that's you know, again, again, Carl was such a great guy to give you that direction, and you know, not to to tout my own horn, but. I'm really good at taking direction. If somebody gives me a direction of how they want a character to go, I can do it really quick and really easily. There's there was also in this in this uh, book about uh, Mary Tyler Moore, who paid you a great compliment as far as doing a a uh, thing over the telephone. Um, hey, um, Ken, do you have yeah. that book? Do you know the name of that book? Oh gosh, I can find it. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I can find it and call you back with it. Um, if it's, it, it might be Vince Waldron's book. If it is, that might be because um, he did a, um, but, but I'm, I didn't, I'm not sure if he wrote it after the revisited show or not. That's why I'm, I'm trying to get this in my mind, but hang on a sec. I'm going to just step aside and you can hear me still, but I'm going to get it. Anyway, it's called, the official Dick Van Dyke show book, and it's by Vince Waldron. And let me see when it was published, but I'll get back to that story anyway. But yes, back to your question in the uh, with Mary Tyler Moore and when we were doing that. So we were rehearsing. We had a lunch break. Mary was there with with one of her oldest and dearest friends, um, just having lunch. And Rosemary and I were sitting there having a bite to eat in the set. And my mother had happened to be at at the set that day watching rehearsals, my real mother. And so Mary came up to me. She says, you know, Larry says, I've been, I've been wanting to talk to you and tell you something. She goes, you are um, fantastic. What you're doing, the scene, you are so good at it. She goes, being on a phone conversation with somebody on the other end, that's not in front of you is the hardest thing to do as an actor. She goes, and you have done it brilliantly. She goes brilliantly. And I am, I'm just so proud of you. And I think it, I just needed to tell you that. And I said, no, Mary, well, you know, thanks, Mary. I mean, I, you know, I try and do my best. I do the best. And she goes, no, you're not listening. You don't hear me. 
you are brilliant. She goes, and everything you've done in your career, because she knew what I'd done in my career in terms of being in post-production and, and we met over the years and I, she kind of kept touch of what I would update her on what I was doing. And she says, and what you've done and the man you've become and how you've done such a wonderful job with your life coming from you know, a showbiz background. She goes, I am so proud of you. She goes, I just can't tell you enough how proud I am. And my mother happened to walk up at the time she was talking to me like this. And she says to my mom, she goes, you know that? She goes, you have an amazing son. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. And I'm so proud of him. He goes, and you should be too. Well, needless to say, it kind of, I had to choke back some tears on that one. But it was pretty special. And, you know, one of the last things Mary and I ever really got to see because she went back to New York and, and of course she died, you know, the diabetes. And so I'm yep. very blessed to have that special memory, really. One of the people that we have not talked about, uh, and I just happened to remember it, was Richard Deacon. What a wonderful man. Wonderful, wonderful man. Brilliant. You know, he also played um, Lumpy's father on Leave it to Beaver. He was kind of doing. Yep. Fred Rutherford. Yep. We're, we're doing the Dick Van Dyke show. He's kind of back and forth between them. But um, what a great guy. Just a sweetheart. And, you know, the, the scenes with him and, and Buddy, more, you know, Maury, um, all that back and forth. They were so good because they were dear, dear friends, really. And and Rosemary, they were all very dear friends. So the fact that they did that and was so, you know, done so well is mm -hmm. quite an accomplishment to what these, these folks have done in their lives, you know. Talk about the last time you saw each person. Well, the last time I saw, um, so... Mary would, would have been at the revisited show because she really didn't do much after that. Um, she she'd become, you know, I think the diabetes had started to kind of take its toll on her. So she kind of stayed kind of out of the limelight. You know, she did some appearances on talk shows and things like that. I didn't really see her that much. Maury, um, one of the last time, I don't know if it was the last time, but one of them was when Dick Van Dyke got his star on Hollywood Walk of Fame and Hollywood Boulevard. And we were there for the dedication. It was Maury, myself, Carl Reiner, Sheldon Leonard, and Dick. I have a picture of all of us kneeling in front of the star. It's a really wonderful picture. And um, and Maury was just Maury. He just, you know, the person you see coming up with one-liners and being that, that's Maury. That is Maury. Um, <laughs> You know, we we did the store. We went into a, the luncheon after where they had a big luncheon and it's, you know, for the for the dedication. And Maury was in there um, and I was sitting at the table with him. And I'm not kidding when I could tell you, I could barely take a bite of my food because after every time I turned around, Maury said, hey, look at this. It was just one one liner after another, you know, and he was just <laughs> so funny. And that was just Maury. He was just always in such a great mood and a great space. And just made you feel good, you know. That was just Maury. So that was one of the last times. Um, Rosemary, um, probably the last time I saw her, Rosemary did a documentary had, uh, about her life, and it was a very good documentary. And Rosemary and I were very, very close. Let me just first preface that by saying we were all very, very close all the years 
after the Dick Van Dyke show and on. Our families were close. We're both Italian. We both have the same birthday, August 15th. And we just had a connection. She was truly like an aunt to me. I mean, you know, and and every time I would see her, she was just, you know, Larry, oh my God, I love you so much. And it's just Rosemary, as gruff as she could be, and she could, uh, she was just the, the most wonderful person to me in the world, you know, in her way. Mm. August so, 15th. I was born August 14th. Good man. All right. Yeah. Another, Leo, <laughs> another Leo into the fold here. We another like Leo. Yep. You got it. You got so it. Anyway, um, we were. Um, so she asked me to come see the documentary and I couldn't see the, the premiere screening for whatever reason. My wife and I couldn't go. And um, and they had another premiere screening down at another place. And she called me and she said, look, Larry, please, please come. I really want you to come see this. And I went, absolutely, Rose, I will. And when it was over and everybody's talking and there was only a few people left, me and her daughter and her, her son-in-law and a couple other people. And we were kind of sitting outside the theater. And I just went up and I just gave her this big hug. And I said, I love you so much. And she goes, oh, my God, Larry, you don't know how much I love you. I said, you just have always been so special to me and so wonderful Again, one of those moments that we had where we had an amazing closure, which is very special in anybody's life to have that. And she died a couple months later. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, I, I thoroughly have enjoyed this. I love the program. I will still keep watching it. And you, uh, like so many people, are a credit to the industry and certainly a credit to that show. Um, because I think without, with if any of these people had not been in the show, it wouldn't have been a success. No, I agree with you. I think it was the perfect storm and the perfect people. And and again, it goes back to Carl and Sheldon and Danny and just being brilliant at what they did. And I, I agree, Ken. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. It just was this perfect chemistry at the time, and it was just wonderful. So. You know, thank you for saying that, and I appreciate that, and and it was very enjoyable being on a show with you today. Uh, <laughs> it was well, really fun. Um, I, I I really appreciate it, uh, and and I wish you continued good luck. You're you're retired now, right? Well, kind of. I'm, I'm I live in Oregon, and um, last minute plug too. If any of your Bostonian people get out to or Portland, Oregon, Oregon area. Please, um, I, I, I actually guide wine tours into the Willamette Valley, which is a very famous wine um, region in the U.S. here, um, as a celebrity uh, wine guide. So we, you can come have a, a wine tour with Richie Petrie, hear about the Dick Van Dyke Show, get an autograph signed, um, ah. get some great knowledge of wines. I'm a big wine guy. I have been for 40-something plus years ah. and spent a lot of time with sommeliers, so I do know a lot of about wine so i can get you that but we can always also talk about dick van dyke and hollywood and all kinds of fun stuff so if they ever get out here it's called a great oregon wine tour again a great oregon wine tour if they ever get out you know there, there's one other question i want to ask you in the show that's my boy yeah I remember that show right yeah and the at the end of it when you had the two people that were the african-americans did did that was that a problem doing that in the 60s well i mean first of all it was controversial and carl got a lot of pushback from the network about it and finally the head of the network said no we're going to do this this is fine it's not a problem 
In fact, it might shed some light. It was a very progressive at that time, you know, kind of yep. thing to do. And at that time, that entrance with Greg Morris, who was in Mission Impossible, played the the, the father, and I don't remember the the wife's name, but I could look it up. They the door opened, and we were in front of a live audience, and that got the longest laugh of live hmm. TV ever to this day. Well, it was certainly well deserved as were all the laughs that you guys had. And again, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure, Ken. If you ever need uh, me to jump on again with you, I'd be happy to do it and um, look forward to hearing the show. And uh, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And that'll do it for this edition of City Talk. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.